Michael Ostronk here, and I'm with Sampai Jessica Laura. She's chief instructor of Shaolin Kempo School in Potomac Kempo in Alexandria, Virginia. How are you doing, Sampai? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is your work with women on self-defense. But before we jump into that, you have a long, really interesting story of your background in martial arts. Kind of joke with you that uh, it's genetic, it's yeah, in your DNA. It is, it so, really is. Tell us a little about yourself. Um, so I grew up in a martial arts school, right? My, uh, my mom originally uh, started with American Kenpo in, in Texas when she was 15. So, you know, she was teaching karate, you know, carrying me. And then, um, and then we eventually moved to San Diego where uh, we met my, my dad um, and he ran a karate school. And so we spent a lot of time um, in the karate school. So we were taking our lessons, teaching lessons, um, karate tournaments on the weekends, demonstrations. Um, we spent, you know, afternoons doing homework in the karate school. So we were surrounded by it. Um, and then and then eventually kind of evolved it to other arts as well. So it was American Kempo where I started. Um, got into um, some Muay Thai kickboxing um, and, and uh, traditional American boxing, which was my love for a very long time um, in my teens, I think probably because I was angry. And so I like to hit things. And it was awesome and it, and it helped. Um, my mom always jokes that it's uh, cheaper than a therapist because uh, you get to sort of uh, express all of your feelings in a super safe environment. And, uh, and uh, that, was, that was a huge benefit in my youth. Um, I eventually um, moved to the uh, East Coast, actually. Um, the, the Navy brought my family to, uh, to D.C. a few years back, and we found um, this Shaolin Kempo school um, in Alexandria. So it's a, a little bit uh, astray from my original art. It's a little bit different, um, same sort of roots. Uh, I like to say that we have the same alphabet. We're just mm. putting our, our words and our sentences together differently. Um, and that's how I ended up here. And so I've been training in the art of Shaolin Kempo for the last like three years. Um, and, and that's where I'm at now. Before we get into actually training women for self-defense purposes, you mentioned the kind of lineage, American Kempo and Shaolin Kempo. Can you do a little bit of deeper dive uh, about the two and especially about Shaolin Kempo? Sure. Um, so there's a lot of stories that if you ask the, uh, the old timers, like everyone kind of has a, an opinion about who originated what, where did it all come from. Um, I like to explain that Kempo has its roots in, in Japanese and Chinese, uh, with J Japanese and Chinese influences. Um, martial arts became popular in America some decades ago and has evolved, right, with our culture and with our communities. Um, so while we have some traditional aspects of, of martial arts, um, some of the kung fu and, and some of the Japanese styles are a little bit more hard, uh, hard style um, martial arts. Um, Kempo sort of blends a little bit, um, but also has this perspective of like realistic street self-defense, right? So we are, we are practicing for today's world in this environment. Um, and while there's huge benefits to some of our deep stances and some of the tradition, and there's huge value in that, the other thing that we focus on is um, you know, the, the how do we protect ourselves outside. Okay, and before you even get into protecting yourself outside, especially for women, I do actually want to ask you a few more questions about yourself, sure. if that's okay. Did you know, having grown up, your formative years in a martial arts studio, your folk studio, that you wanted to be an instructor? Oh, that's a funny question. Um, no, no. When I was growing up in the karate school, I sort of took it all for granted. Um, I, you know, never had to... I was never like a, a, a traditional student in that like I paid for lessons and, and all of that. It was just always there and I was expected to participate. Um, and so I, 
I, you know, I did other jobs. I, I went and worked in, uh, you know, a department store and um, I did some security stuff. I did a, a, a lot of different things. Um, but, but martial arts always was, was like in me mm-hmm. as like, oh, that's how I work out, right? That's just what we do to stay in shape. Um, and so when I realized that I'd been sort of given this gift of um, this whole education of not just learning this curriculum of martial arts, but um, being able to teach it, um, and that I, I always wanted, well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a school teacher. Hmm. So I never got that opportunity, wasn't able to, ever able to, um, to, to get that done. But being able to teach other people something that's so, so valuable, um, I realized, oh my gosh, this is what I should be doing, and it's so fulfilling, right, to watch a student um, get better, not just at the karate moves, the punching and the kicking part, but really um, watching them kind of find their power mm. and watching them overcome those obstacles. Maybe they can't stand on one leg, right? And then we're going to celebrate the heck out of that day when they can stand on one leg. And then that's, you know, ultimately like improving their, their health and, and everything else. And their awesome kicks, right? So, um, and their character as well. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, so no, my realization that I wanted to teach martial arts for my life did not happen. It wasn't something I dreamed about when I was a kid. I was probably trying to stay away from it. Um, <laughs> but, but now I feel like, uh, you know, it took me to, to grow up and have my family to realize that uh, not only this is what I want to do, but I, I can serve my community and this is what I need to be doing. Nice, nice. So even one more question. Um, what, what would you say is one, th- one special thing that you, you've taken away from your mom being in the martial arts and your father being in the martial arts and what might be one thing that you do differently from your experiences of having trained underneath each of them? Oh, interesting. Um, so I'll start with my dad. Um, my dad's very technical, right? He, he looks, I mean, he sees things in, in people's movement that I don't see yet. And I think I probably have 30 more years of training before <laughs> I can catch what he catches. But, um, but he taught us, um, you know, mechanically at first, but really to have control of our body and to understand what was going on um, with some of our techniques. And it, I grew up feeling like, I'm a small person, right? I'm like five feet tall. So every person that I would interact with, my partners, um, were always bigger, always bigger, right? But I was still expected to perform some of these movements um, regardless of their size. And I understood like my body, their body, you know, alignment, um, backup mass, like all of those things, those are like American Kempo terms, right? Um, and I was able to get them done. And so I, I love that the art that I grew up in enforced that, mm. right? That my dad took enough uh, time and care to make sure that we got it all down correctly. It wasn't just uh, do some moves and rep it out a few times and I think it looks nice. It was like, you have to actually be able to execute these. Um, and so I love, I love that, I love him for that. Um, my mom is a fierce woman. She, she's also like five feet tall. But she, she started, you know, martial arts in the 70s, right? And the world was different, especially for women in the martial arts. Um, and, you know, it was harder. It was, it was rough. Um, there was not as much safety equipment, right? There was, it was a whole different, whole different experience. And she, um, so she was, you know, sort of tough enough at that point to, to take lessons when she was um, younger kind of speaks to her character and then so when she had me and um I have you know uh, some other brothers and stuff that also do martial arts and they're phenomenal at it but with me I think she saw you know here's another small woman and she's going to need to be able to take care of herself so I'm not going to be easy on her and so she really wasn't um I remember specifically moments when we were sparring and I was a kid 
I don't know, I was like, like nine years old and there were other boys I was born, maybe they were 12 and 13. They seemed giants at the time. They seemed like grown men, but they weren't. We were all in the kids class together. And I remember being tired and crying and not wanting to get up again. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're gonna get up again. And there was no telling my mom no. So I had to get up and I remember being like, why am I doing this, right? Like, why do I have to keep fighting? But, but after that experience at like nine years old or 10 years old, um, I realized that she needed something to click in my head. She needed me to know for myself that I could fight back, that I was capable of it, that I was, um, and that I should not fear, right? And so um, that lesson carried on, I mean, forever, for like, to, to, till today, like, um, uh, as far as like building confidence, right? It made me realize like, it doesn't matter that I'm small, it doesn't matter that I'm female, it doesn't matter anything. I have the skills, right? Um, I have, you know, thousands of repetitions, like I know these moves, but the mental, um, the place you have to be in your head to, to like to defend yourself, uh, or, or to even to spar, like in a class, um, my mom instilled that in me. She did not want me to be um, a victim. She did not want me to be afraid. Um, and not that you should walk around totally fearless of all things, <laughs> but, um, but in, this, in this environment, in this world, in, this, in the karate school, um, I, had, I had to know that, that I got it and I can take care of myself. Um, and that's what she kind of gave me. You know, She was like, no ma'am, get up, get back in there. Nope, get up and get back in there. And I realized, oh, guess what? I'm not made of glass. I'm fine. I shrugged it off, uh, probably with some tears in my eyes, but I did. And then every person, every lesson, every belt test, every experience, every, every major life change that ever came out of that or, or has happened to me since then, it's that same lesson that I can get up and I'm going to get up. So that came from my mama. That's awesome. So emotional resilience and mental toughness. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's Thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Good for your mom. Yep. What a great Absolutely. lesson to learn. Yep. Uh, how about the second part of the question in terms of what, so I heard two of the big takeaways, one from your father, one from your mother, but what might you say you do differently than them oh, as right. an instructor? Um, so um, I like to, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be mad. No. <laughs> I, like to, uh, I like to make sure we're having fun, right? That there's, there's some, there's like a, um, like a lightness in the air. Right, because you know, if we think about things too seriously all the time, then it can kind of get, like, you know, we can be kind of bummed out if we really want to talk about, you know, fighting people and defending ourselves, and we have to watch our backs, and and that can get overwhelming. And so, um, I like to make sure that um, my lessons, my classes, um, my interactions with the students are enjoyable. Right, so we can we can still walk away knowing our stuff. Right, um, I still from my mom's. Uh, influence still try to drive into everyone not just other women but like men and, and kids as well that that you know you can overcome and you will and it'll be fine and sometimes you're gonna get hit that's the truth it's gonna happen but we're gonna learn how to handle that here so that if it ever happens out there that's not the first time it's ever happened and we're good to go um, and then joke with people a little bit right like make sure people are having a good time and having fun and and um, I also like to hear people out. I want to know about their experiences, what their goals are, what are their, what do they envision in their head? Like, what are they trying to accomplish in this, in this school, in this space, with their lessons? Um, and be honest with people about, you know, what is and what isn't right. What, um, it, it's scary sometimes, and especially if there's a student who's had some kind of previous experience, and and they're. They're triggered by, uh, you know, hitting the bag can be an emotional experience for some people. 
um, I like to be aware of that and to kind of guide people through. Um, I feel a little bit like a coach sometimes, yeah. more than I am like sort of the senpai or sensei role. I feel a little bit like my job is to help you along whatever your goals are, but let's talk about them, let's identify them. And, um, and I feel like that's the part of the equation that I bring to it. Um, that's actually a great segue, I think, to talking about your training, specifically with women, although you do everyone. Um, and I'm wondering, when you do your classes, and I know you have an upcoming class soon, a workshop with women, um, as w- when you put your coaching hat on, how are you aware of <clears throat> a client who comes in, perhaps having been raped or mugged or attacked previously, and they want to learn to defend themselves for the future, versus a, a woman who has had not had any of those experiences, so there's not going to be that triggering necessarily and yeah. wanting to learn to yeah. defend it's, themselves. It's a delicate uh, conversation to have, um, and it's a little bit different environment for, like, a, like say, a women's self-defense um, class or, or a yeah. workshop, uh, like you mentioned. Um, I, I definitely treat those sessions um, a little bit differently than in a karate class. With a karate class, there's an expectation of time commitment, and they're going to con- I'm going to continue seeing them over a period of time. We're going to slowly build up our, our skills. Um, and with uh, a women's self-defense workshop, um, there is sometimes some pressure to put in a whole lot of information uh, in a short amount of time because you just really hope that they walk away with something, that they've got some tool. Um, but the important part about those workshops is the conversation, right? Is the let's talk about being aware of our environment, let's talk about things, and people start to feel a little bit more open and comfortable, and they'll share stories, though. Um, or sometimes they don't. And you can kind of read that with people. Mm-hmm. And I always try to let people know, like, we're going to, you know, hit these pads, or you're going to you know, breathe out and ki or exert some energy, you know, scream and yell, say no, whatever you have to do um, to put some power behind your hits. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll share, like sometimes in that process, you'll, feelings will come out and that's, that's okay. You know, you need to take a moment, you take a moment. Um, or we just run with it and just keep moving and keep going and let's face it and let's deal with it and then we're gonna come back and then we're gonna talk about, you know, what happened and how we can defend and how we can go forward. and. Um, you know, also encourage people to kind of, um, if they've, you know, legitimately had some, some trauma, um, then I would hope that they'd be kind of helping, get, getting some help. Getting some professional yeah, help. Yeah, from some yeah. professional help. Um, I can help with what I can help with, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all in for that part. Um, and then, uh, but I think a lot of the time the, the people that come to like a women's uh, self-defense workshop don't have any idea what to expect um, and don't ever, you know, think that, things will ever happen to them but they're just like oh maybe it'll be a good thing and I, and I I hope that when they leave my my class they're like oh all right there's a lot of stuff I don't know <laughs> right and maybe I should practice and maybe I should take some more time um to uh to, to learn some and and build a real talent or build, build some skills um because you know workshops are are great for a sampling of what mm-hmm. um what can um what can work out on on the street um, but to obviously to develop some some real skills um, would take some time. You know, I'm, I'm wondering now out loud, <clears throat> out loud. Um, I wonder if there's ever been any trauma therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, marriage and family therapist who specialize in trauma who've partnered with martial arts instructors. Oh my gosh, that would be that'd be quite interesting. It would be. It and would then be. Do, do some research Super, behind yeah, that. Yeah, please yeah. do. That would be. And share with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> oh, no, it just seems like a, a great way of helping people who, who already learn how to, hopefully through the therapeutic process, deal with their trauma, learn self-management techniques, uh, deal with an arousal when, they, when their nervous system's aroused, but then the martial arts could be a great way of learning focus, good techniques to actually defend themselves, right. increase, manage their energy levels, mm-hmm. 
et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, environment, situational awareness. Sure. And I'm wondering if you could speak to a little bit about that before you even get into like actually how you might defend yourself if you find yourself in a situation versus recognizing the environment you're in and perhaps moving yourself out of a dangerous situation before yeah, it occurs. You know, it's funny because I feel like if I'd answered this question 10 years ago, it'd be, it'd be different. Uh, you know, and we're probably all a little guilty of this, but I think these days we are uh, constantly <laughs> distracted by, um, by our phones and our, our work, and we are in a rush to get everywhere. Every, we're in a hurry all the time. We're like rushing to get to the red light, <laughs> right? <laughs> there we're uh-huh. always, right, you know. Um, and I think that that kind of create, that puts us in a really dangerous uh, position often. Uh, we're not paying attention to where we're at and who's around us. Um, or even sometimes where our kids are at or what they're getting into. Um, and I think um, that that's, that's, the, that's the most important way to avoid having to get into a situation, right? Like know where you're going, um, you know, look around, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be to such an extreme that like you're watching the exits and, and or maybe it does, you know, if that's, if that's in you, then by all means, right? I watch the exits. <laughs> but... Um, but kind of taking a, a moment away to sort of be present, right? Like put the phone away and take a look around you. Uh, where's, where's your purse? Where's your backpack? Um, where are your keys? Where's your phone, right? Like being aware of, of what's going on. Um, gosh, that's primary. That's so, so important. Um, you know, and then, and like listening, right? You can hear like footsteps, right? Mm-hmm. Someone rushing up on you. You can... Um, you can sense when there's like a change in the air or, you know what I mean? Like if you're... So intuition would play a role? Oh yeah, for sure. Not just sensory data? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a mom, so a lot of times I have a feeling, right, Mm -hmm. that uh, something's up, right? Or you know there's a car coming too quickly, right? And you're gonna be like, hey, watch it, you know, get back on sidewalk, (laughs) right? Because you feel it. Um, But you gotta be in tune with that stuff, right? Or things happen and not not even just self-defense related things, but you have, you have to know where you're at and what's going on. Or, yeah. So when you're actually <coughs> training a woman, not just talking with her about situational awareness, um, what we just discussed, you know, most women tend to be smaller in size than most men. Not always, but most. <coughs> and, you know, men seem to, for the most cases, have strength on their side mm-hmm. compared to most women, but not all cases. There are some women who are much more strong, much sure. more strong than some, <laughs> some men are. But so when you teach women, how do you help them think about how they can leverage what they skills they possess yeah. against an opponent who most likely would be heavier, sure. stronger, yeah. faster than them? Um, well, there's a few things. So um, what's interesting is we have all these like natural like weapons, right? Our hands, our elbows, our knees, our heads, right? There's a lot of things people can use um, that don't necessarily require huge amounts of, of training. And so just sort of um, exposing women to that like hey um like picking up a phone right like if i you know, just go pick up your phone like you've got your elbow exposed right like realizing oh this mo- movement that i do constantly mm. if i just sort of direct it in a certain way that's lethal right elbows are hard have you ever been hit with an elbow holy moly <laughs> <laughs> right elbows hurt <laughs> um and um, and and so giving uh, women an opportunity to see like oh wow there's there's like the we call them like hidden moves like oh maybe that's that or maybe it's um, um, 
there's a there's a funny little move that it's, it doesn't look very sophisticated, uh, but the idea of just sort of like um, making sort of circular mo movements with your hands right in front of uh, your chest, like super quickly, um, doesn't look like I said like super fancy or whatever. But the idea is if you try to grab me here and I just move super super fast, you're not going to be able to because you can't get a grip. You can't like fit your hand in there. And um, we always get a laugh out of that in the lessons because it's like, what, this works? It totally works. I'm gonna try to grab you right now. And I'm trying to grab them and they're just swinging their arms, you know, not wildly in, over their head, but like in front of them. And that doesn't take any skill level, right? That's super basic. So just kind of exposing people to like, to some tools, right? right hey, right, right. this could work. Um, you know, elbow stomps, headbutts, pinches, right? Uh, we talk a lot about soft targets uh, because even if the person uh, is uh, is bigger and more muscular and, you know, all that, like, there is no, like, huge skeletal structure protecting your neck or your mm. eyeballs. Or your groin. Or your groin <laughs> yeah. or your ears, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about ear boxing. That's super painful. Um, so we talk about those things. And, and it's a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to poke anyone in the eye. But my answer to that is you will if you have to. And you should be prepared to, right? Um, you know, there's all kinds of things. If, if uh, the person who's attacking, male or female, is, uh, you know, under some influence, maybe they're not feeling pain in that moment, then we talk about other things, right? Um, airway, uh, knees, right? So then you can run away and they can't run after you, you know, all of those things. Nice. So what I'm hearing you say is, is stopping the threat as quickly as possible. Yes. And then with your last examples, getting out oh absolutely yeah. right because you know this is not like cage fighting we are right. not entering <laughs> right. this competition with each other I mean unless you want to be a cage fighter that's awesome too right but but that's not that's not this the situation we're talking about here um, right the the most important thing is get away with your life right um, don't don't uh, don't go where they want you to go right like that's the one like being aware of your environment okay now you're now you're in a situation now there's someone there you need to get home you need to get out you need to go you know go away um, and we talk about all that kind of stuff, right? Like, don't, uh, don't give up so, so much of your power and be willing to do anything and everything to, to get out. Um, and, and knowing that little bit of skill, the soft targets, the elbows, the knees, the, you know, the biting, the pinching, like any of that stuff, like that's, you know, dirty fighting, but that's, that's life-saving, right? I guess there's nothing dirty if you're fighting for your life. Right? Absolutely. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed, for sure. So you've done workshops, and you have a workshop coming up relatively soon. Yes. You also teach classes. Yeah. Uh, if folks are interested, especially women in terms of the workshop, but anyone, yeah. uh, man or woman, um, and people have kids, you yeah. teach kids. If I they're do, interested absolutely. in learning more, what yeah. can I find out about your uh, Yeah, programs? absolutely. So um, the school's called uh, Potomac Kempo. We have four locations in Alexandria. Uh, I'm at the Huntington uh, location. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we've got, uh, you can check out the website, potomackempo.com. We're also on Facebook. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Senpai Jess. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I would love to, yeah, share some information. It's May. May is the, uh, the, the date, uh, the month. And uh, I believe it's the 12th, I'd have to confirm. Uh, but follow, uh, follow us on Facebook and, um, and on the website for the exact dates uh, of, cool. of that event and future events. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Thank you.